This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1-0 für den VfL Bochum! Da draußen ist der Ball frei! Und jetzt ist er drin! Jetzt ist er drin! Und hier ist Potzen, macht das Tor! Welcome to the Spider Bundesliga for the first time in 2020. Uh, we are recording on a Friday evening, for me anyway, Friday morning for, for potentially anyone else. Um, and yeah, the excitement is real. We're glad to be back. The second half, essentially, of the season uh, to get underway uh, midway through next week on the Tuesday night. Um, and yeah, it's great to be back. We are refreshed, replenished, recharged to get into everything that is the Spider Bundesliga. And to help me talk about the upcoming match day, match day 19, uh, and some transfer news that has gone on throughout the winter break. Uh, first of all, we introduce... As is a custom, we should introduce the lady of the team that is top of the Spider Bundesliga, the wonderful Eva Lotte Ball. Eva, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. It's great to have you back on the program once again for 2020 and also joining us uh, to digress this wonderful league uh, is Bochum's one and only uh, Gabriel Radis. Gabriel, how are you doing today? Good to Morgan slash Armand. So, uh, yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> oh, magnificent. That's what you love to see. Uh, well, I think without further ado, uh, we should get straight into it. Uh, our Match Day 19 preview. And we start with Stuttgart and Heidenheim, third versus fourth. Uh, a massive, massive game for both sides. Uh, in particular, Stuttgart, who garner in a new manager in Pellegrino, Matarozzo, uh, who comes from Hoffenheim. It is a very interesting signing. Of course, Tim Walter was relinquished of his duties after the two-or draw with Hanover uh, at the end of 2019. Um, Gabriel, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, this is quite an interesting prospect for Stuttgart. New manager. It's almost like it's a brand new season for them. Um, expectations, again, still high. Um, how, how do you see this one going for them? Yeah, this is a massively important game. I kind of feel like this is probably the worst time to have one of their biggest games of the season, only because it's just, you know, you're just coming back into playing football again and, and coming back into um, the league starting. And then you're playing a team that are one point, is it one point behind you, uh, trying to sort of usurp you and, and overtake you into the uh, into the promotion playoff position. Um, they, had a, they had a pretty decent um, sort of winter break and, um, beat Basel, beat Fehavar, um, and they've got Dresden uh, to come today um, before they play Heidenheim. But um, I think what they've done is they kind of they haven't really gone and invested a lot into the squad. They've they've brought Nathaniel Phillips back on loan, although he was pretty much he's been there for the first half of the season. Um, and they've brought in a, a youngster in Chernanov from Kern. So I think new manager, new sort of new year they'll they'll try and look at it as like a new a new slate almost and, and try and push on and, and, and secure 
at least a promotion playoff position, yeah. Indeed, the notable outgoings for them, uh, Santiago Ascasiba going to Hertha Berlin in the Bundesliga and left-back uh, Miliano Ensua heading to Major League Soccer to team up with Javier Hernandez at the Los Angeles Galaxy. Um, Eva, it's been a relatively quiet uh, winter for Heidenheim, only Tobias Moore, who is a very promising young player and probably a surprise signing for them. Um, h- how do you see him fitting into the mix at Heidenheim? Well, I think it's a really good signing. First of all, you've got someone that knows the league. It's not someone that never played the league. He comes from uh, Kreuterfurt. That's, um, first of all, really, really good thing. And Heidenheim is not really famous for doing a lot of changes to their to their team. It's really consistent, and I think he, he will fit in very good. Um, as you can see, as I said before, that nothing really happened in the winter break. So um, I think he will be in a very good position there. He will play definitely. Um, and I really think that Heidenheim has some advantage over Stuttgart because they always have the same head coach for Stuttgart. The pressure is very, very high, um, especially because, um, as, as being said, it's against the fourth. So a really close duel. And I really see Heidenheim getting some points here. Yeah, I think they're a really good chance. And um, they lose Patrick Schmidt on loan to Dresden, which we'll get on to later. Uh, Oliver Storio, which is one of the more interesting situations, was on loan at Erdogan, wanted to leave on loan at Munster in the, the Dritte Liga. And Mervilia Biancardi, who just didn't get the minutes, he's he's gone to Braunschweig on loan. Uh, one interesting thing I will say before we uh, move on to the next game, which is a massive game, of course, Um is an interview that Mark Oliver Kempf gave uh, during the winter break. Now, he wasn't scathing towards the comments of Tim Volta, but it was pretty evident that the style of football that he wanted them to play was far too complicated. And as a result, Stuttgart found themselves in the situation, which is, which is third, but not where they expected to be. So that is certainly a food for thought thing that you would expect Matarozzo to play a bit more of a uh, simplified game plan that, the squad uh, can play too. Um, you can tell just just quickly. You can tell from from Stuttgart stat, uh, Stuttgart stats that um, that that was definitely the case, or at least there was some sort of muddling because they are one of, if not the best team in the league on paper. Yet they've they've scored a lot of goals, thirty goals. They've conceded twenty four goals. I mean, if you think about how far who are in second, their goal difference is seventeen. Stuttgart's is six. It shows that. There was, you know, at the back they weren't getting the message quite, uh, quite well, and there was obviously issues in transition between the thirds, and, and obviously having lost five games already this season, which is a significant number of games to lose. I mean, uh, it's you know, Sandhausen have lost less um, is um, is indicative that perhaps it was just too complicated, and, and they needed a simplification of, of of sort of management and and just a way to to say, look, guys, we are in X position, we need to be in this position or we need to be one place higher come the end of the, the end of the season. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it just engage an idea of structure, make sure that we're difficult to, to, to beat. And if we, if, you know, if we're not going to win, then we're going to draw that sort of thing. Uh, and that, and that will stand you in good stead for the league. Yeah. Absolutely. Considering that their goal is to gain promotion back to the Bundesliga. Let's move on to our next game, which has incredible significance to my two co-hosts. Uh, it is Armenia Bielefeld versus Bochum, which is the first game of 
the calendar year in the Spider Bundesliga. It is a Tuesday night game. It is the early kickoff game. Uh, so just after dinner, tuck into really dessert after, oh, I'm assuming, a very luxurious uh, main course. Bielefeld, of course, top of the pile. However, a tough run towards the end of 2019, which was compounded with a defeat at St. Pauli at the end of the season. Bochum plagued by inconsistencies. One thing that they do do well is score a lot of goals. One thing they definitely don't do well is they concede a ton of them. Um, so I guess, Eva, I'm going to start with you, as you are the league leaders. Uh, a more or less interesting winter in that they've added some additional depth in some interesting areas. Um what did you think of uh, the club's uh, winter break in terms of the transfer market and, and how confident are you that Bielefeld can hit the reset button and hit 2020 hard? Yeah, well, first of all, Sebastian Müller is uh, a 90-year-old from uh, FC Köln. Um, I think it's a really good signing. It's a signing for the future because there will be a day when uh, the fullback god Fabian Klose can't play anymore. And uh, it's really good to already put him into the team. He uh, is training with, um, with uh, the first team. That's really, really good. And I think he he's a re- really good player. And then Oscar Linea. Um, I think he first of all came to put some pressure onto Stefan Ortega, who hasn't extended his contract yet. There are some rumors he might go uh, either to Augsburg or Leverkusen uh, in the summer. Um, and it's, I think, Armenia wants to, yeah, do not have the same situation they had with Julian Berner last year when he didn't extend his contract and then, then you didn't really have someone else to play his position, um, first of all. But um, with Oscar, I think they have really good um, yeah, signing. It's not good for uh, Philip Klevin, but I think he is not really your Zweite Bundesliga keeper or even Bundesliga keeper that you would wish for. Um, and the winter break itself, I think, yeah, okay, we lost to Uerdingen. That's not that great, but I think um, the other two tests were really good, especially the 120 minutes test against St. Pauli, where you had four halves, and Neuhaus could change a lot, and I think that's really, really good. Yep. Uh, I think the linear signing, I, I quite like. Um, very good, uh, solid young goalkeeper, and, and certainly I think someone who could take the mantle if Ortega does end up leaving at the end of the season. I feel as if if they were to get, if Bielefeld get promoted, he stays. But if they don't, then your teams like your Augsburgs. I'm not sure why you'd want to be a backup at Leverkusen, but um, you know, that's up to him. But um, yeah, it will be very interesting how to see how that plays out. It's interesting to see if if Bielefeld can maintain their place as the top dog. Um, Gabriel, Bochum have uh, we've we've spoken about this. Uh, um, off air, um, how really doubling down on the attacking effort. They bring in Robert Jules uh, from uh, Hoffenheim. He, of course, was on loan at Union Berlin uh, midway through last season. A player who is best described as technically very sound, but a very slowish uh, attacking midfielder. Um, I guess my question to you is: Is there an element of frustration that they haven't really that the club hasn't gone out and um, acquired 
a player in a in a position that they need help in. I I think it will become incredibly frustrating for fans if come January the thirty first um, we we still don't we still haven't signed a, a centre back or at least a defensive minded player. I mean we're still very light at left back. We've got Danilo Suarez, but apart from that, Maxim Leitch is the only player that can really hold down the fort at left back. And if Danilo's injured or suspended, then it's a real problem. And then obviously we've had so many issues at the back in terms of conceding goals that it's cause for concern. I mean, I guess also added to that is the fact that Riemann is in the last six months of his contract and has not signed a new contract. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all the, that's, that's, uh, those are all the dynamics that, 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 are, that are plaguing our defensive um, sort of structure at the moment. I mean, we've, what we've done is we've, we've signed um, Jules and, we've, uh, and uh, Gorkum Saglam has, has departed on a free transfer to, to Willem. It's a shame that he's gone on a free. He's been, he was being, he's been at Bochum for, I think it was about 13 years. He's 21 years old, so he's been there since he was eight. Um, and uh, been a real decent servant to the club. But, I mean, he was, he's worth significantly more than just a free transfer, but his contract had expired, so he was free to talk to, to, other, to other teams. I think, and it's a like-for-like in, the, in, in, in sort of a replacing him with another attacking midfielder. Jules is, is slow, but technically very gifted. Um, we, I guess that the hope is that he brings his experience in a very strong Union side last year, uh, who, who knew how to negotiate the difficult tasks of, of, of the side of Bundesliga and brings it into into a camp that needs that needed a bit of a refreshment, needed needed some uh, reinvigoration. We do still need some defensive backup, some defensive reinforcements. Um, we had a really good we've had a really good winter break. To be fair, um, we beat <laughs> you guys lost to, to Erdogan. We beat them three 0 Unlucky. Um, so, I know. <laughs> uh, so and so keeping a clean sheet that was quite nice, um, even if it wasn't a friendly. And then obviously we we drew to to Dinamo Bucharest and and. Um, and we beat Fehavar 2-0 in, uh, away in Jerez in our winter break. So it's, it, wasn't, it, it was a pretty decent winter break by all standards. And uh, it, the, the camp are in, uh, in positive spirits. But it's, um, it's a tough game to come back into, to come back to this fight of Bundesliga with. But one that will be fascinating. Uh, one stat I want to drop before we move on to our final group point game is Fabian Klaus. An interesting thing, the last two games of the season, Klaus of 2019 that is he failed to score if you take into account the entirety of the first half of the 2019-20 season that hadn't happened at all after after a game without scoring a goal he would proceed to at least score once so that is something that uh, I'm sure Bielefeld will be hoping he comes back with a vengeance with his victims being uh, Valfeld Bochum um, our last group one game is at the Volkspark Stadion it is the final what will be the final uh, game of match day 19. It's Hamburg and Nuremberg. Second versus 16th on the table. Uh, I, mean, I can't wait for the German papers to call this the Dieter Hecking Derby because that's what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, this game has plenty of intrigue um, on and off the pitch. Uh, it is an unfortunate long journey for Nuremberg fans to head up to the north on a Thursday night. Uh, but uh, God bless the DFB and the and the uh, the schedule makers. Um, Gabriel, I'm going to start with you. Um, Nuremberg have, I, I guess it, it's almost ironic that they have addressed a uh, situation that has plagued them, which is defence. 35 goals conceded, which is the second worst in the league. Um, they add Philip Heiser 
and uh, for online from Norwich, who has a wealth of Svada Bundesliga experience. And uh, Konstantina Mavropanos, who uh, comes from Arsenal, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but you look at those two signings in particular, and they are, they are very promising for uh, for a team that desperately needs help at the back, especially um, after what has been a very poor season for them so far. Yeah, Mavropanos in particular is, was really quite highly touted by, by Arsenal fans and Arsenal and the Arsenal um, club, uh, sort of board I think that um, has obviously suffered from a lot of injuries and uh, alone will do him good considering he can get I mean, as long as he can get some game time um, and yeah I guess they've kind of really tried to plug the holes that, they, that they've had and I mean it's almost a bit of the tale of the two sides um, of, of five twos um, because Lubeck uh, played Hamburg last night it mm-hmm. was and, yep. and, 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 and Lubeck, uh, Lubeck smashed Hamburg 5-2 um, whereas Nuremberg um, beat by Munich five two um, uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's a sign of it's, it's a sign that obviously Nuremberg are trying to show intent. They had a, a pretty strong, all things considered, uh, uh, winter break, and they're looking to Jens Keller is, is looking to really revitalise a team that need to to pick up results, need to to, to push themselves away. They they are too good to go down. They sh- they sh- they are. It's, it would be mind boggling if Nuremberg were to were to to drop to the third tier. Um, and how as well they've they they some cracks started to appear at the end of the Twitter Bundesliga Hinrunde. Um, they sort of came into the they came into the the winter for the winter break with a one or draw against Sandhaus and a two or draw against Darmstadt. So they really need to pick up some results, and this is a good opportunity for them to to, to a home game against a, a, a relatively lowly team in the Twitter Bundesliga. They, they it's it's going to be hotly contested there. It will be. Uh, they also did beat uh, CSKA Sofia um, last time out um, in their friendly Nuremberg. It was five goals to nil, I believe. Five so, nil. Um, so yeah, they they are hitting a good form. Uh, Hamburg, their signings very interesting. Jordan Bayer from uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. He plays right back. It is a position that they've had to fill in on multiple occasions. Uh, even though Jan Jimmerer is uh, slowly getting back to fitness. <laughs> Very promising player at Gladbach knows the Dieter Hecking way of football. Um, but also, Eva Louis Schaub, who was mightily impressive in the Spider Bundesliga for, for Köln, um, he is seen as pretty much a straightforward, much improved version of Aaron Hunt. And I say much improved because he's younger, better more talented and, and I mean no disrespect to Aaron Hunt but, but let's be real uh, Louis Schaub we'll take Aaron Hunt please well I'm waiting uh, I'm sure the, the knives and pitch books but let's be real though Schaub was fantastic for Curran last season and Eva he will be a, a handy addition to a team that has got plenty of talent yeah and especially if you look that also uh, VfB Stuttgart was interested in him it's um, we have the times that now you decide to go to Hamburg over Stuttgart, which wasn't always the case. So this is a huge step for the image of uh, HSV as well. But yeah, it's a really, really good signing. I think he will be a very good player that completes the team, especially under Dieter Hecking. Um, he always gets players that he really yeah, can use for his way of playing. He, yeah, I think he he's really, really good in Zweite Bundesliga. He's Slightly too good for the league, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I think um, you shouldn't overrate that whole Lübeck defeat. It's 
yeah, it's just to better happening this now than next week, I think. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's going to be a win for ISV, I think so, because uh, I think Nuremberg has once again the problem that their goalkeepers aren't really fit. Mm. Yeah, I think um, Dornebusch is injured again for a yeah. couple of weeks, mm-hmm. which isn't really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't really see uh, Nuremberg getting any points out of this game. I think I think the thing is, is that uh, with with Schaub, um it looks like a bit of a retrograde step for him personally. But actually, if you look at it overall, um, it's a good signing for Hauesval. It's a good move for him because he knows the league very well. He's very comfortable in the Zweite Bundesliga. He will be comfortably be one of, if not the best player in the league uh, over the rook run uh, over the second, second half of the season. Um, but it's a loan. He goes on loan to Hauesval for six months, uh, and then they have an option to buy. And ultimately. Whichever side is in the is in the Bundesliga, he'll probably sign for. I mean, if Haaland go up, he'll probably sign for them because he would have done the job that they would have wanted, and they will be willing to fork out the four or five million euros that he that he's worth to um to play for them for next year to help them solidify and and, and sort of um, stabilize and consolidate in the in the Bundesliga. And if Haaland don't go up, then the chance. I mean. It's un- it's unlikely that Harvestfall don't go up and Kern go down, but like he'll, he'll just go back to down back to Kern. So um, it's a, I think it's a good move for everyone involved. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, the intrigue is the Schaub Kittle dynamic. Those two are fantastic attacking players. We've seen how Kittle was as integrated into the Hamburg side. Now we'll see if Schaub can do the same. We'll take our first break, and on the other side, we head to the stadium and the Bremer Brucker as Osnabrück hosts Sandhausen. Yes, and the first of our Group 2 games is Osnabrück and Sandhausen. This is a Wednesday night kickoff, 8.30pm local time. Uh, two sides that have been, you know, above what is the set expectation. Sandhausen sitting a bang in mid-table in ninth. Osnabrück well and truly exceeding those expectations, sitting sixth. Uh, they won three of their last five games heading into the international break. However, losing their last game away at Heidenheim. They return home, a ground that has been very friendly to them in terms of results. Only Heidenheim and Armenia Bielefeld have beaten them at the Bremer Brooker this season. Um, Eva, I'll start with you. You look at uh, an Osnabrück sign that has been relatively quiet in the transfer window. Uh, they assigned uh, Asan Sise uh, from Zurich on loan. Uh, Nico Granatowski goes to Hansa uh, when Alex uh, Riemann was released. Um, they were very impressive under Daniel Tiyun. Um What can we expect from them heading into the start of 2020? Well, I think um, it's good for them that they start to play at home again. As you mentioned, they're very good at home, only to defeat there. Um, they play plenty of friendlies in the winter break, I think six in total. Uh, they lost, I think, three of them against Paderborn, Leipzig and Fair yesterday, which was a bit surprising. Um, but I think I expect them to more or less do what they did uh, in the first half of the season. Um, I don't expect them to end up sixth, but um, probably like eighth. Uh, They have a really good team. They have a very good coach. Um, 
I think at some stages they need to improve a bit, especially away, I'd say. But uh, at home they're very good, so they're more or less the opposite of Armenia, you could say. Um, yeah, but I see them winning here, actually. As do I. They've been mightily impressive uh, throughout the Hinrunde. Um, they've put some teams to the sword, especially at home. Uh, notably, Darmstadt were one of those sides that they absolutely destroyed. Um, and they've been able to match teams like Hamburg and Stuttgart. Um, Sanhausen, Gabriel, have done nothing uh, in the transfer window. No one leaving, no one coming in. Uh, they've played a few friendlies. Notably, they beat Sevilla in a friendly match. I'm not sure how, not sure why Sevilla would pick Sanhausen as their opponent, but a good yardstick for for Sanhausen nonetheless. Um, one thing that probably strike, uh, strikes out most than anything, they are a fantastic defensive side. Uh, 20 goals conceded, which is amongst the best in the league, like Osnabrück, 19 for them. Um, so I guess you would suggest that this may set, shape up to be quite a defensive battle, uh, especially Sandhausen will be looking to shut down an Osnabrück side very potent at home. Yeah, it will be quite... I don't think there will be a lot of goals between the two sides, but Osnabrück are imperious at um, uh, at the Bremer Brooker. And they have been, they've just been excellent over the past few games. They've only lost one, uh, they've only won one fewer games than one fewer game rather than, than how as far, which shows a lot for a side that's just been recently promoted. It's an excellent achievement. And I mean, I really like their, uh, I think they're a really good squad, really well coached. Um, a big fan of Schmidt in the middle, the 21 year old on Lincoln Bremen. Um, and yeah, no, I, th- I think, I mean, yeah, it will be tight. Sandhausen have not done anything because, I mean, to be fair to them, they've had a really good winter break. They beat Unter Haching as well. Uh, they beat Sandro Quenyo. So they're, they're, looking, they've look, they're looking pretty strong and they're looking to, I guess, just consolidate their mid-table sort of top-half finish. And Osnabrück will be very pleased with where they are. They started the season in a sort of stuttering manner and their issue was the fact they couldn't score. They weren't conceding many, but they weren't scoring. They've, started, they've opened up. They've scoring, they're scoring a lot more at will. Scored 25 goals in 18 games, which is a decent return, all things considered. Um, and they're still keeping clean sheets, and they're still keeping um, it tight at the back. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I hope Rossenbrook do well in this game. I think they deserve it. They're a good side, and they're only five points off Stuttgart. So, a draw in the Stuttgart Heidenheim game could really see them actually really rather close to the promoted playoff position, which would be an incredible feat. That. Yeah. That it would. We'll move on to our next game, which is Greutherford and St. Pauli. Tuesday night fixture, that one. It's 8th versus 11th in the standings. And St. Pauli uh, ended 2019 in good fashion. Two consecutive wins. Of course, that w- that last one was a 3-0 win at home to Armenia Bielefeld. Um, but they have lost a vital piece to the puzzle of that St. Pauli midfielder with uh, Mats Molodaly leaving for Genk. Um, the aspirations of playing in Europe too much for Moller Daly to turn down. And um, Gabriel, that is a massive loss when you look at how pivotal he was to the setup at St. Pauli under Jos Luhukai. Um, how tricky is it going to be for them to fill the void of him in midfield? Yeah, they haven't brought in anyone uh, to replace him. So it's going to be, t- it's going to be tough. He, he's been a vital cog in, in their season. And I mean, They've had quite an up and down season. Uh, they've been pretty close to the relegation playoff places, and then they and then they've kind of been sort of the top half as well. So they, they're sort of yo-yoing in the league, and, and 
to lose such an important player might mean that they might trend downwards, which will be slightly worrying for St. Pauli, who have been plagued with issues on and off the field the entire season, really. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't really know what they what they're going to do to to try and uh, to try and sort sort out what is quite now quite a big gap in their in their squad. Yeah, indeed. When you consider he has seven, he had a seven assists, uh, which was three more than the next specs, which is uh, Ray Miucci. Um, looking at the squad, it is you probably would suggest Vladimir Sabota is going to have to play uh, a more of an influential role. Um, maybe you try Johannes Flume in a more um, direct, more of attacking formation. Uh, we have seen, especially in the game that they did beat um, in Bielefeld, they did play more of a 4-1-4-1 uh, with Sabota and Buchtman. So they do have options, um, but it's probably not satisfactory in the in the sense that it's a, it's a big uh, hole to fill. Um, either we look at Grotefurt, uh they have had a pretty solid first half of the season. Eighth is better than I expected them to be, admittedly. Um, they bring in Timothy Tillman from uh, uh, Bayern Munich's second team, uh, the American who joins Julian Green there, so that's a bit of a, a connection there. Um, they've had a pretty interesting uh, season without being spectacular. Um, what, what's been your impression of them... A, from the first half of the season, but but what can we expect from them going forward? Well, um, I think to sum up the first half of the season, including um, the first game of the rest of the season, is if you look at the last three games, uh, they won three one against Bochum, then they lost, uh, then they won five one against uh, Karlsruhe as well, but then they lost to uh, our three one. Um, I think Fjord is always good to score a lot of goals, but in the next game, completely losing everything they stand for the last game. Um, I think this is kind of the first half of the season. They were really good, uh, especially in the first five to six games. They were um, very high up in the table, but then they kind of lost it a bit. Um, And I think they have to see that this doesn't happen in the second half, so I think they're missing some consistency. Their uh, friendlies in the winter break weren't really... Yeah, they lost to Halle and Danzig and draw with Bayern's second team and to FC Vaduz, so not a lot to say about that. <laughs> yeah, but not a lot to say about that. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, I think they will more or less continue the work they did so far, but I see them like 10th and the end. Mm. Yeah, what has been interesting has been that if you look at their goal scoring in particular, um, eight goals for Branimir Hugerta, who came on a free from, from Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, and then, you know, Harvard Nielsen has two goals and three assists after joining from Fortuna Dusseldorf. So there's, the signings from the summer have really had an influence um, coming through. Um, it will be interesting to see if they can, you know, continue what was a relatively solid run home um, in 2019. Uh, but I think overall, if you look at this game, you'd probably suggest it will end in a draw. Um, our last group two game is in Kiel. It was Holstein Kiel host Darmstadt on Wednesday night. 
good old-fashioned mid-table tie. This one, 10th versus 12th. Uh, Darmstadt were picking up some vital points towards the end of 2019. Uh, what had been a tricky start for Demetrius Gramotzis' side. Um, Kill much the same. Two wins, two draws, and a defeat uh, heading into the break. They bring in just the one player, uh, Fabian Riza, the local boy from Kiel. Uh, he returns, and it is a signing uh, for pretty much pennies on the dollar. Um, either it's it's been a weird season for Kiel. Uh, they obviously started the season with Andre Schubert, and who could have predicted that that was going to end as poorly as it did? Um, but Oli Werner certainly turned the ship. Um, they've had some some pretty competitive friendlies. I guess we could talk about Riza, uh, you know, another good uh, young attacking player. Um, Kiel are a team that hasn't had issues scoring goals. It's more or less consistency at the back. What, what do you think will be their biggest challenge going into the uh, the second part of the season? Yeah, I think it will be the defence. Uh, I think we saw a couple of games where they completely lost it. They always find a way, or more or less always, find a way to come back. Uh, but it's especially in the second half of the season, it's much more intense to always run behind um, the other team Yeah, scoring and leading the game. Um, what did... What is interesting, as you have mentioned, the friendly, they won 3-1 against Flora Tallinn, actually one of uh, Eintracht Frankfurt's uh, um, Europa League yeah, contestants as well. Um, so at least that's something yeah, for the self-confidence to go into the, yeah, the second half of the season. It's going to be a tricky game. I think um, both teams really need a win as well to establish themselves in midfield of the table. I don't think that for either team, um, yeah, something more is really coming their way this season. Indeed. Uh, we'll turn our attention to Darmstadt. Not a bad end to the season when you can... Uh, bad end to 2019, excuse me. Um, when you consider their biggest problem, as we have outlined so many times, has been scoring goals. Only 20 goals this season. That is second worst um, in the league. Only Dresden have scored fewer goals than Delian. Uh, only one signing so far. Uh, Nikolai Rapp from Union Berlin has another player with good Svarta Bundesliga experience with Erzgeberger Auer. Um, Gabriel, very good signing. Rapp is, but uh, I guess the concern is is that they just haven't got another player to, to, to team up with Serdar Dursun. Yeah, no, they are. They struggle up front. They, they lack some serious firepower. I mean, they they are relatively tight considering the at the back, considering the rest of the, the, the players in the, in the rather the rest of the teams in, in their sort of region. But Darmstadt are, are you know they're only two points off the uh, off the relegation places, and, and and they really could do with more firepower up front and some better um, options or, or different or just. It's just something to change up the play a bit if it's not working in the middle of the game to um, to help them because they could really fall back and slip down into into those sort of relegation places because they've they've been flirting with danger for the entirety of the season and there, there was a period of time where they were able to push up and and get away from it for a bit but as as is always the case it, it seems this season there are sides that are towards the top that have been at, at the bottom and sides at the bottom have always who've 
sort of flirted with the top half of the table as well. So I like uh, Dimi Gramatis. He's a, he's obviously an ex um and he I think he's a good guy. I hope he's I hope he's he's strong enough and and successful enough to to, to push these guys uh, a few just a couple of wins. I mean, the Kiel game is a tight one. I think Kiel will probably edge it, but um, it's you know they 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 ended the season with a with a uh, with a sort of sack of draws. Um, and they could really do with a win in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Um, it is interesting, as we mentioned with Serdar Dursun, he scored seven of their 20 league goals uh, this season. So it is quite evident that he needs help. Um, and if they don't bring in or at least find another option, um, it will become very worrying for them going forward. We will take our final break and on the other side we will break down the final three games of Match Day 19 and we will answer your topic questions. We start at the Continental Arena when Jan Regensburg hosts Hanover. Yes, and the first of our Group 3 games is in Regensburg as Jan take on Hanover on Tuesday night. Uh, Jan Regensburg Ended the season, the 2019 portion of the season, quite wellish. We'll say wellish. Three wins, two defeats, in a very rocky road kind of fashion. They sit seventh. Hanover, on the other hand, with the change of manner with Keenan Korkac. Not so bad a draw against Stuttgart in a game that they probably should have won. Lends them in 13th. Um, let's start with Gabriel. Um, Jan have try to strengthen their squad in terms of attacking force. Uh, Aaron Seidel, who was initially on loan at Holstein Kiel to start the season, he comes from Mainz. Uh, big, lanky, tall, athletic uh, striker who can play on the wings. How do you think he will fit in with the likes of uh, Sebastian Stolzer and uh, Marco Grutner? Yeah, I think it'd be quite a, quite a nice addition. I don't think they they massively needed him. I think, to be fair, all things considered, Regensburg had done really well. They'd done what they kind of done what they said on the tin. They they they're in a decent position. They're seventh. Uh, their home record of late is pretty astounding. I mean, they've won in all competitions. They've won four of the last five. Well, they've won the last four, um, and they're playing up against a side in Hanover um, who are pretty dreadful away from home. Uh, who've lost three of the last five and, uh, and then he drew against Karlsruhe um, away back in the back in October so they in terms of in terms of Seidel as a signing I think I, I think it's a decent signing I, I think it's just nice to pad out the squad a bit um, have him as an option to come off the bench I don't think he'll slip in straight into the starting side I mean it, it, um, but I think uh, I think Hanover the, the side that have really tried to make the, the big changes they've, they've signed a lot of players to try and get out of this desperate situation that they find themselves in i mean they should not they are they should not be a side that are flirting with relegation they're 13 but they are two points off nuremberg in there in 16 and and that's a real worry for them and they've sort of raided scandinavia a bit um but uh and in the hope that it will uh that it will help them uh propel them up the league but i i, I really can only see this being a regensburg win and hanover continuing and cockatch as well to continue this perpetuation of of, of issues at hanover to, to continue, yeah. Yes, and the rating of Scandinavia, Swedish international Johnny Gadetto, um, and Martin Hansen, who will be the backup to Ron Robert Zilo, of course, with the departure of Michael Esser to Hoffenheim. Uh, Hansen actually has 
experience with Ingolstadt uh, in the Bundesliga the season that they went down. They also add uh, the OG Rasenballsport Leipzig um, Zweite Bundesliga, Dritzliga, and Bundesliga captain Dominic Kaiser comes from Bronby. Um, very good, solid uh, central midfielder who can play on the wings if required. Um, either it's going to be a tricky game for Hanover, um, but they have improved quite a bit under under Kokac, uh compared to their first few their first few games under Mirko Slomka, which isn't saying a whole lot. Um, what, what's your impression on on any of the signings made uh, from Hanover? And um, what can we expect in terms of an attacking force uh, in this game against Regensburg? Well, I think especially Kudadi is a very good signing. Uh, he also has some Premier League experience, I think, with uh, Stoke City. Um, but I think he didn't play a lot in La Liga in the last half a year or so. So I don't know how much he will be of a help at the moment, like... Uh, in the first game already. Uh, it's also really weird because he said uh, he heard a lot of good stuff about Hanover. Not sure what he heard. I'm <laughs> quite sure he... <laughs> I don't know if he might... Don't know. Had heard news about the handball team of Hanover. That is pretty good, actually. <laughs> cannot be the football team. Everything you hear about Hanover is not good with... Martin King being yeah, manager there. Um, also, not really keen with the friendlies they played. I don't know how intelligent it is to, out of three or three out of four games, to play against Bundesliga sides with Paderborn, Bremen, and Wolfsburg. And if you pick two teams like Paderborn and Bremen that aren't really overperforming at the moment in the Bundesliga, you should win. And they didn't. They lost 3-1 against Bremen, who couldn't really get a lot of sh- shots on target the first half of the season. And, um, yeah, Paderborn. And then, yeah, well, Wolfsburg, they just lost 3-1 uh, on the weekend to, to Cologne. So don't think this was really the right decision, friendly-wise. I think it would have been better to choose some teams, maybe out of the Dritte Liga also, but international teams, um, just better for them. Um, they didn't do it, so and they yeah, didn't really won one of the friendlies, so yeah. I'm not really looking into a bright future at Anova. It's, really it's a really good point that you make there, Eva, because... Um, the fact that they did play three Bundesliga sides in their friendlies, and I imagine they must have sorted that out beforehand uh, and not bothered to change it or not wanted to change it for whatever reason, because um, the team that they played in Werder Bremen and Paderborn in particular, they are they're playing like spite of Bundesliga sides at the moment in the Bundesliga. They they are relegation fodder, um, and then Hanover loses to both. It's not the most morale boosting sort of games. I mean, even if we're, they were to win. It's not a sign of, of Hanover really pushing back to the kind of the, the, the level that they <clears throat> that they should be at because they're playing sides that have been that have lost consistently in the Bundesliga. So they they are, they're not coming in with any form either. Yeah, to play a, a team to play teams like maybe Unterhaching or Kaiserslautern or, or sides that um, that are sort of doing pretty well to average in, in, in the Dritte Liga would have given them a lot more confidence had they gone and win and won, of course. But 
for Hanover to go and play three Bundesliga sides that aren't doing well and to lose all three, to come off that to to not have won an away game since <clears throat> since November, to be pretty shoddy at home as well. It's not. It doesn't. It's. I know they got a couple of wins uh, towards the back end of the of the Hinrunde, but I still don't have a lot of faith in in, in what Kokash is doing and what, and the way in which they they're going about trying to get out of this position. And to be honest, with John Guidetti, um, he's one of those players that I think he was at Man City as well. He, mm-hmm. He's kind of like always been. Ta- he's always been at like a good club. He started off at a very good club. And then it's kind of like dropped down because, and he's been only bought because of the club that he was last at. Like he's not really done anything. It's every every new club is, and he's going to revitalize his career, and he's going to revitalize his career, and he just doesn't. And then he goes, drops down, and drops down, and drops down. So I mean, he really needs to show that he is a, a, a decent footballer here. I mean, Hanover need him to to perform. Whether he will or not, I really I have some serious doubts. One final note on Gudetti, as I've got his. Uh... Career stat line, he was at City for seven years but never played a game. Uh, but yeah, so you know, so basically, he got the Chelsea treatment basically and uh, or the Lucas Pierzon treatment and sent on loan every season. But um, more importantly, if you look at his statistics, only twice has he ever scored double figures in a single season. Uh, once at Feyenoord, he scored 20 goals in 23 appearances, uh, and then um. Actually, that is it because he had sixty-six appearances at yeah. I I I built it up a bit too much. Sixty-six appearances at Celta uh, for eleven goals. He was on loan at Alvarez for the second half of the season. Scored three goals, only two goals in twenty-seven. Um, all told, he only played ten. He's only played ten games this season. So, yeah, it's um, also, mm. yeah. No, no, you also got... the the fourth game Hanover played was against Victoria Berlin. Uh, Regionalliga Nordost side uh, that played Armenia in the first round of the DFB Pokal and they drawed 3-3 and actually conceded uh, the um, final goal in the 18th minute so this is full on Hanover so then they picked a team from below them even two leagues below them and they can't even manage to win against them Mm -mm. plenty of food for thought let's move on please uh, two, we've got two more games left. Uh, Wiesbaden and Auer is the next game. Uh, this one is in Wiesbaden. Uh, 17th, the fifth hour, of course, exceeding expectations. They won three of the last five games heading into the winter break. They're in very good form. They signed on loan uh, Jakob Rasmussen from uh, Fiorentina. He's a centre-back. Uh, Denmark under 21 international he's made 21 appearances um, for them and uh, either I mean our well and truly exceeding the expectations that we had set for them um, their attack has been prominent the likes of Holshai, Testrot um, uh, Kruger and Nazarov um, 29 goals is a very good return for them um, what what was the one thing that impressed you about them heading out of 2019? And what's one thing that we should look out for going into this game? I think um, the most thing that, or the thing that impressed me the most is how cons- more or less consistent they are staying on top of the table, even though 
they lose to um, Hanover and Bochum. They win against Regensburg and Fürth, which is a bit more important for them because they're more direct opponents to them than uh, Hanover and Bochum are, if you look at the table. Um, and I think if you look how bad they were at the end of last season, how much they celebrated staying in the league, it's huge how far they've come this uh, season. If they win against Spain on the weekend, which I think they will, um, they can actually reach the second spot off the table if HSV loses or so, I think. And um, But at the same time, Bain has the opportunity to leave the relegation spot, so that's uh, that would be a huge win for them as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, it's good that there are not so many changes in their in their team. I think that's always important for teams like our. Um, yeah, I I think they will not end up as they are now because in the end it's our they have less capacity in, in total. So yeah, about like six or six to ten is possible. Indeed. Uh, with Vspart and Gabriel, their story is well and truly written in stone so far. Uh, relegation candidate tick. Uh, they've been atrocious defensively. However, they have improved. The biggest issue has been defending at home. They have been utterly, utterly awful. Um, again, against the side now in our who have improved quite a lot in the attacking area. Um, what's one thing that you expect Vespan to do uh, to counter the attacking threat that our possess? Um, I think they're going to have to concentrate on defending. I mean, they, what they did was they did pretty well in, so their last, so say their, their penultimate side Bundesliga home game, they got thrashed 6-3 by Holstein Kiel. Uh, and then they went into their next uh, home game against Darmstadt and they just focused on being solid and, con uh, and consolidating their defence and, and really just making sure that they didn't concede. And they came out with a nil-nil and, and they then had a fairly a fairly okay uh, middling sort of a uh, friendly friendly season. They had a couple of games cancelled though, which was a bit odd. But um, but uh, they they did beat Fortuna Kern three uh, 0 So I think I think what plays into Wiesbaden's hands is that Alwe are very poor away from home. They are an exceptional side at home. They have made you know, they've made sort of Alwe uh, in in a way a, a fortress. Um, and that's why they're so high up the league because I guess if you you only need to really nail one of those either home or away to, to really stand a chance in uh, in the fight of Bundesliga. Um, but away from home, they've they've you know they've lost to Bochum, they've lost to Hanover, in the friendlies they lost to Unterhaching, they drew to Magdeburg, they lost uh, they drew to Karlsruhe in uh, in the middle of November as well. So so for Wiesbaden consolidation, they they Wiesbaden aren't, can score as well. So uh, so the hope is that maybe if they could nick a goal that um, it wouldn't be tragic for Alway to, to, to not come away with three points here considering how well their season's been going so far. Yeah, I would agree. They um, V-Spartan, they only got the one signing so far, uh, Sydney Friday from um, Hertha BSC. Uh, he came on a free, highly rated by some. Um, could be an interesting addition to the side. Our last game of match day 19 is Dinamo Dresden and Karlsruhe. This game is on Wednesday night. Uh, I guess we could call this a Marcus Kalczynski derby, but look, probably not. Um, yeah, eight, eight, 18th v 15th relegation six-pointer. Um, yeah, 
two sides who should desperately need three points. Uh, Dresden being very active in the transfer window. Uh, we mentioned Patrick Schmidt from um, Heidenheim. Godsway Donjoy from uh, Nord Zealand. I hope I pronounced that right. It's, uh, it's a tricky name. Um, Josef Husbauer, who was playing Champions League football. He comes on loan from Slavia Prague. And uh, Marco Terrazzino, someone with a wealth of Svarta Bundesliga experience, uh, comes from Freiburg, of course. Musa Kone, that saga's over. He goes to Nîmes Olympique in uh, Liga. And uh, Matthias Taffner returns to, to Wacker Innsbruck on loan. Um, Gabriel, this is this is a massive game for Dresden. Let's not beat around the bush here. A side that has been you know, utterly poor in front of goal. They have scored the least amounts in the season, 17 uh, that is nowhere what we expect from them. They've brought in some interesting attacking players. Um, can they turn this around? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I do quite like how on your notes, uh, it does say that Dresden came, uh, are currently in second. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, sort of double, double backed and was like, what on earth? Where have I been living? Like, have I suddenly transported to the 2024 season? And Dresden are second in the Bundesliga and Bayern are in the Dritteliga. No, um, it's, uh, but uh, no, they are well and truly rock bottom. They are six points off the... Uh, off the I mean, they're basically seven points of, of, of safety. Um, and realistically, unfortunately for them, despite the fact that they've, they've made some significant signings, they've, they've, what they've looked to do is bring in a lot of players on loan because they know that if it doesn't work out, then at least they can ship them and they don't have to have a huge wage bill going into the Drisseliga. But they have a monumental task and they are just the worst team in the league. Like, it's just unfortunate. Like, one team has to be... I mean, Wiesbaden and Dresden are up there with... Wiesbaden are, are arguably overperforming at the, at the at, at present by being within touching distance of, the, of getting out of it. But Dresden are underperforming. They concede so many goals. They lose loads of games. They don't win any games. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an evil concoction that Karlsruhe, who are flirting at the moment as well, they've had a bit of a they stuttered a bit of late considering they were so solid at the start of the season. Um, they'll look to to use this game as a, as a springboard to propel them into into the rest of the rook runder. Uh, Karlsruhe need the win. I mean, they could also drop down into the bottom if uh, if Dresden uh, snatch a win here or even even grab a draw. So uh, it's important for Karlsruhe uh, to stay in touch and distance with Bochum, Hanover, Darmstadt above them to, for, for them to, to, to win. Indeed, uh, indeed. Mm-hmm. Only proving that I a am human and b Dresden second in one of my FIFA <laughs> manager mode saves. So that's probably where I got it from. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, it's it's yeah, it's okay. It's it's good to get the uh, the errors out in the first episode of of the of uh, twenty twenty, so that there are less heading going forward. Although I'm sure there will be more. Um, Part of the fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Smack the host for six. Um, it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tricky one for them. It really is. We looked at probably Kaiserslautern Slatten a couple of years ago, were another case where it. Heading into that ca- the the start of a new calendar year, it looked pretty doomy and gloomy. And even though they made a run at it, it was already too far gone for them. And yeah, I mean, a win would help, certainly help the cause. But 
it is asking for quite a bit. They've looked very poor under Kalchinski. If you look at the small sample size, um, they just need to score a goal and maybe something will happen. Uh, Karlsruhe, on the other hand, Eva, just the one signing on loan, Jerome Gondorf. Um, comes from Freiburg, someone with good experience um, in in the side of Bundesliga and the Bundesliga. Uh, they lose Marvin Poirier, who goes on loan to Braunschweig to help their effort in gaining promotion back to the Schweizer Bundesliga. Uh, their biggest problem, like many others at the bottom of the table, has been defending. Uh, their last few games, they've been extremely poor. Uh, they ended the season with a home defeat to Wiesbaden. It's a, like like with Dresden, and as we said before, this isn't much a relegation six-pointer. If Karlsruhe lose this game, you do worry that they are in serious danger of being a part of that bottom three mix. Yeah, I think they crucially need the win. It's also really weird how they play. Um, I mean, they won 4-1 against Regensburg, drawed against us, but then lose 5-1 to Fürth and 1-0 to Wiesbaden. Um, you can't see any any consistency here, and I think that's the yeah the hugest problem they have at the moment. Um, not sure how Gondorf will help immediately. Uh, they, he can be a, a help uh, further into the season. They had some weird friendlies as well. Um, but I do not think it will be a very pretty game. I don't think... I actually think the first one who will score in this game is going to win, but not with more than one goal. I think it's going to be like a last-minute 1-0 for Karlsruhe or so. It will be interesting, and it's one that will be worth keeping an eye on, especially if your team is at the foot of the table. That is our match day 19 preview without too much incident and shenanigans. Uh, one topic question for this episode of the podcast. It is from Steel Penguin at Steel Penguin 3. It says, Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope you're having a great 2020 so far. Did the transfer window go as expected for? teams in the Spider Bundesliga. Now, I'll leave this open to interpretation. Eva, I will start with you. Um, pick any team you like. Um, how, how, what what has been your assessment of the window as a whole? And, and maybe talk about Bielefeld and how you feel they've gone so far in the window. Well, um, very difficult. I think where I was really surprised that they didn't do anything was actually St. Pauli. Um, they didn't lose just any player, as you've mentioned. They lost one of their key players, um, and I, and they knew it very early. It's not like a last-minute thing, I'm not going to stay here, but they knew it really early. They had a lot of time to actually do something about it, and I'm kind of not sure why they didn't do it until now. Um, I think they really need someone else for that position. Although maybe you can put Marvin Knoll in the spot as well uh, to just give him more time to play. He's a really good player. Um, that's probably the thing that surprises me most. Um, we are well said. Armenia, I think it's good. They might. They have back background people for nearly everyone if they play. Is the other thing. Um, yeah, but uh, we just, I think that's the key thing. We just hope that Klaus or Fogelsama or, or Hartel or Peter don't really get injured because that would be a huge problem. But as far as it, 
I'm concerned we don't have a, the fitness coach that Nürnberg has because apparently he does something wrong. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm happy as it is so far. Um, Gabriel, again, same sentiments. Um, we can talk about Borkum and, and their yeah. window, but um, any any other teams as well that you might want to talk about and how their window's gone. I'll quickly touch on Bochum and then I'll, I'll go on and have a look at a couple of sides that I've been really impressed with. Um, with Bochum, I think, obviously, it's patently clear that most people assume that we'd go in for a, for a centre-back and a left-back uh, immediate, almost immediately. And the fact that we haven't is not necessarily cause for concern, but um, but slightly odd considering that we've been so leaky at the back. Um, I think a big a major coup for the for the club was uh, the extension of Bella Kotchap's contract. That's almost like signing a player because he is definitely one for the future. He's been his contract's been extended to 2024, and it's one of those decisions where you can see the board have an eye on the future in terms of if he stays for another 12 months, he'll he'll have the contract length to to, to then carry a really significant fee from for a Bundesliga club because he is going to he's going to do some great things I think in the in the top division uh, if he can't do it with us. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're happy with the Jules signing. Uh, he look, he's technically very gifted on the training field. He looks great. Um, just concerns about his pace, but fingers crossed he'll he'll bring some 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 need experience to the to the squad. Um, and and yeah, maybe we'll, we'll sign someone else in the next couple of days. Uh, who knows? Um, in terms of other sides, I've been I'm, I think I think the most impressive signing is is Schaub for for Howard Spark. Um, I think he's a really great addition. It makes logical sense for, for how it's far, it makes logical sense for Schaub to come in on a six-month loan to really boost um, Hamburg's squad. They're, he's a good player, a really excellent player. We've proved that, uh, proved, proved that before. Um, and um, I think also um, Jordan Bayer as well as a loan from, from Gladbach will do no harm as well. Um, and then I guess their opponents in this, this, this game week as well, Nuremberg, Jens Keller has at least tried to address the problems that they clearly have. Whether it will work or not, we don't know. But you have to be, I guess, impressed with the intent that he's gone in and gone gone into England and got Heiser from Norwich and uh, Mavropanis from, from Arsenal and looked to really plug the holes that they that they have painted, that, that's, that's been very clear that, that they've had. And, I mean, it puts them in better stead or at least gives them more options than Seabach and who are, who are fighting with Nuremberg to stay away from the relegation places. Um the fact that Nuremberg now has some defensive qualities and some defensive reinforcements, it, it, it only helps their case. So yeah, that, those are probably the two sides that I that I'm that I'm most impressed with in terms of uh, in, yeah in terms of signings. Yeah, I'll tend to agree with you on that one, uh, Gabriel. We could also add, as of course, the time of recording this, Hamburg have announced that Joel Poyon Palo, the striker from Bayer Leverkusen, is joining Hamburg uh, on a loan deal, as far as I'm aware. Uh, announced on their Twitter feed just seconds ago. Um, so yeah, they're not, their window's been really good. Same with Nuremberg. I guess you could probably look at a side like Dresden and they've literally thrown the kitchen sink with the loan deals. They've got some good players in the mix. I think you look at a Patrick Schmidt and this is probably a situation where, okay, you go to Dresden. Now we get to see if you're really at this level. Because um, his Heidenheim stint has been okay without being great um and 
probably showcasing that the, the jump two divisions from the time of joining may have been a bit too much. But if he can make it work at Dresden, then then you never know. Uh, Terenzino is a very good player, and I know some would have loved to have seen him return to Borkham. Um, so I think I think I think Dresden's window has been quite good and needed, um, but um, you know ultimately. Yeah, there are probably a few teams that probably did the right thing, added bits and pieces. Um, I do also agree with you, Eva, that the worry that Mats Molodaly, that is, I think, maybe a hole way too big for them uh, to fill. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see how that pans out. That's it. Episode 1 of 2020 is in the books. Uh, we got there in the end uh, through all the news wheelings and dealings and of course our match day preview a big thank you to gabriel for joining us all the way from thank paris you. thank you um and eva it's always great to have you on the program thank you for joining us once again thanks for having me our pleasure and from me matthew karagic uh enjoy the weekend at the time of recording this and just think about it much like christmas only a few more sleeps till the action kicks off Until (laughs) next time, keep the ball rolling. Goodbye.